Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. This is Gavin Ward, co-host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I sat down with WellBe Health President Matt Patterson. Matt's been with WellBe Health for about four years now, and in today's episode, he gives a little bit about his background, including his dream to become a rock star and how he's used his physician background to ultimately become an entrepreneur and leader for WellBe Health, which is providing four PACE programs throughout the state of California and has been improved to potentially do so beyond. In today's episode, we learn what PACE stands for, which is Program All-Inclusive Care for the Elderly. And it's a great transformation for nursing home eligible patients who might be used to receiving traditional care, but now may have what some may view as a better opportunity with both physical and social health providers all in one spot. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And of course, you can find out about Pop Health Podcast on popelfpodcast.com and view more episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, popelfpodcast.com as well. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the show. Matt, thanks so much for joining the show. Can you share with us something about yourself that might surprise our audience, which is mostly healthcare workers, something about you personally? Uh, sure. Uh, I think that, uh, I don't know, maybe a surprising thing for a healthcare, healthcare person. Uh, I have a knack for uh, taking things apart and putting them back together. So <laughs> lately, lately that's, been, uh, that's been geared towards automotive stuff. So I've, uh, I've found myself disassembling and reassembling parts of my car, which I never imagined I would do in my life. So that's, uh, I guess that's a fun fact. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, obviously, someone uh, with a healthcare background might be good at a doctor, a physician, uh, might be good at putting certain things together, but I don't think of automotive parts. So <laughs> during, the, during the pandemic, have you uh, like worked on any particular car that you have or maybe share something like that? Sure. Yeah. So uh, tinkering, I would recommend to anybody in, the, in these days. It's, it's, I find it quite uh, therapeutic like a, almost like a meditation. And so, um, yeah, I have a uh, passion about an old car. I have a 20 year old, a 20 year old, uh, you know, BMW that has passed down, uh, for my father. And then I passed it down to my son. It was his first car and it's a manual transmission car, which is a little bit uncommon now. Yeah. So, uh, he was particularly proud of learning how to drive on that. So I found myself unable to part with it. And so all the things that go wrong, uh, I, you know, I guess being a, being a doctor uh, and you know former surgeon, I'm a fixer, and so yeah. uh, I saw you know I see opportunities there. So I've been pushing my my YouTube mechanic limits uh, during the pandemic, and uh, and that's been good. And then you see behind me music, music yeah. is maybe another kind of uh, you know uh, different part of my life, and always has been. Actually, that's that's really was kind of my first passion and my first. Uh, the first thing I ever really wanted to do with my life uh, was really around music. And so I've, I've kept that close uh, for my whole life. Awesome. I see some guitars there. I see, is that a yep. keyboard as well? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Dabble, still, everything. You still play as a hobby, like in a, you know, on Sundays or on weekends or anything like that? Yeah. You know, I've tried to keep it up as best as I could. I think the thing that was most fun recently uh, was actually kind of crossover with professionals. So at Wellbe Health, uh, we, we decided to do some various things to engage our team. And so we had a battle of the bands that we did to kick off summer. Yeah. And 
So that was really fun because I got to collaborate uh, with individuals across the company that I hadn't really met before or worked that closely with, you know, across all, you know, different gamut of, uh, you know, professions and, and kind of what they do with us. And so um, we recorded a take on uh, Led Zeppelin's Whole Lot of Love, which was based on one of our core values, Courage to Love. And yeah. so we did, little, we did a little riff on that. And so we did this um, kind of uh, asynchronous recording and then mixed it all together and created a video. And that was really, that was very fun. And like a great way to bond with people, uh, people I work with in an austere setting. Yeah, that's awesome, Matt. That, well, that's really neat. Uh, thanks for sharing a little bit about you personally. Sure. So let's let's start to make the transition to really why we're here today, and that's to talk about well-being health. Before we get there, um, growing up, were you always plant like when you thought about being a doctor? When did that happen? Um, at what stage in your life, I guess? Yeah, you know that's uh, that's a really it's an interesting question. I mean, I, I don't know if there was ever any one um, seminal moment. I mean, as a kid growing up. Um, I think I, I always had an, um, just a strong connection in wanting to help people. Uh, you know, on a personal note, I grew up uh, I grew up with a mom with really severe chronic mental illness and just challenge, and it was just a, a struggle. And just the compassion that I had for her and the, the challenge that we had as a family, um, you know, supporting her, I think that instilled a desire to to make a difference and and be there for others, uh, not only uh, not only you know patients. But their families, um, and then in college, uh, it, you know, I went in studying pre med, uh, but my first desire was to play rock and roll guitar. That was yeah. really, really that was really the thing I wanted to do, and so I was playing music really actively uh, throughout college, uh, and I did all my pre med stuff uh, more or less as a safety. Uh, to be a rock, to being a rock and roll musician, which I guess in, in retrospect was very fortunate, and uh, I had quite a very prescient of me. And um, I studied psychology as an undergrad, and uh, really passionate about liberal arts and just a broad-based uh, education. But I loved, um, I loved the mathematics and science and um, kind of discipline around the pre-med curriculum. And I, I felt like medicine, I mean, it's, it sounds a little bit corny, but it truly is a blend of kind of artistic, uh, artistic passion and kind of science. And you get to blend both those things in helping people. Um, and so after I graduated in a couple of years, a couple of years traveling around the country uh, with a psych degree and they, uh, you know, trying to be a rock and roll musician, uh, I figured uh, I had had enough. And so I was, I was grateful that I had the background that I did. And so I transitioned over into med school at that time. And um, it was fantastic and, and really happy that I did. I, I think you're the first uh, doctor that has that kind of story. I don't, have you met someone with a similar story by chance? You know, there's a fair amount of, a, of uh, musicians. I, I find that, that that's, not, that's not too uncommon. Mm. Um, but... Uh, Maybe not anybody who went quite as far as I did. And I, and I think, um, so I think I was kind of early in that regard. And uh, I think probably more, more unique, but now more common. Um, but at the time was really more my jump, my jump from day-to-day -day clinical practice uh, into entrepreneurship. Um, at the time that I did that was just a soul-wrenching, you know, just unbelievable experience where I just had mentors and guides uh you know people i trusted and really i cared about and i and i knew cared about me but just didn't know any better looked me straight in the eye and say 
you are about to make the worst decision of your entire life. Like, how could you, you know, how could you do this? It was really gut wrenching. And uh, so I think I was, I was one of the earlier, one of the earlier folks who was jumping and, uh, you know, I landed, uh, I landed, you know, a big consulting firm and kind of made that transition away from uh, day-to-day clinical practice. Yeah. That was much more like tough, you know, but in retrospect, again, you know, I, I don't regret any of it. I'm really, I feel very fortunate. Yeah. So how did you end up? Well, let me, let's, let's take a step back for a second. Sure. So I want to share with the audience uh, who, as I mentioned uh, before we started recording, are mostly healthcare professionals. And surprisingly, when I'm out in the community, um, and most of my area that I serve is California, I'm also doing some work in uh, Arizona and Texas in my day job. And a lot of people in California still don't know what PACE is. So before we get into WellBe Health, and maybe a little bit more about your role in entrepreneurship and being a leader at WellBe Health, can you tell us what is, or tell the audience, what is PACE? What does it stand for? What is it? Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, so WellBe Health's primary focus right now in the way that we serve seniors is through PACE. And PACE stands for Program All-Inclusive Care for the Elderly. And this is a program which is, you know, in, in the, shortest, the shortest version is that it is an integrated payer provider that provides you know, comprehensive care, uh, both medical and social, for vulnerable seniors in a community-based model. That's, that's like the, the short answer. Yeah. Um, PACE is, uh, you know, PACE is not new. Uh, you know, I, I, I sometimes give talks and I talk about like going back in time to, to head to the future because PACE has been around for 40 years. Yeah. Uh, and started in San Francisco by Unlock as a way for the Chinese American community to care for their frail elderly and a way to avoid institutionalizing them in Medicaid nursing homes, to keep them in community-based settings, uh, living in multi-generational households, independent assisted living, and wrapping around this comprehensive care product, both from an insurance side as well as from a, uh, a multidisciplinary, you know, interdisciplinary team to care for them and uh, has grown kind of steadily since. And then in recent times, um, really got the attention of, uh, at the time, the acting director of CMS, Andy Slavitt, who, yeah. uh, who was kind of was a force in, in kind of breaking open uh, the boundary, uh, the, the barriers, I should say, for new entrants to PACE. Uh, and so it's seen a little bit more of, a, of an uptick in interesting growth lately. Yeah, that's great. It's, uh, I did not know the origins. I knew Pace had been around for a while. Um, yeah. I'm actually married to a Chinese American. She's born and raised here, but we have relatives up in the San Francisco Bay Area that are Chinese. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that I had no, no idea about that. So really appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners probably feel the same way. So you talk about uh, maybe some of the barriers for new entrants into the uh, PACE space. Can you briefly touch on what barriers were there and what allowed WellBe Health to join? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just an amazing uh, story I think about in retrospect. So WellBe Health was founded uh, by mission-driven physician entrepreneurs. Uh, and so the original uh, earliest founders, WellBe, uh, Cy France and uh, Adam Groff, Two physicians uh, who, you know, the, the 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 beginnings of the company were, you know, a long jog around, uh, you know, Northern California College campus uh, of uh, uh, both Cy and Adam kind of 
coming off of a uh, successful healthcare uh, venture uh, that was exiting and they were, they were kind of thinking through what's next. And they asked themselves kind of the classic Jack Welsh, former CEO GE question of, you know, if you're guaranteed success, you know, whatever it is that you're going to go do, uh, what, would you, what would you dedicate your days to? Uh, you know, how, what would you wake up to do every day? And uh, where they landed at the end of that run was where we would go serve the most vulnerable elderly members of our society, the ones who are using healthcare in kind of all the, all the wrong ways and getting very little value in exchange. Um, we go serve those individuals with super high compassion, uh, high quality, and we would do it in a totally value-based reimbursement model where all the incentives were aligned to simply do the right thing to care. Yeah. That would be what we would do. And, um, and I was fortunate enough, I had known Sai you know, for over a decade, and we had really bonded in the early days of um, the reemergence of value-based care, you know, pre-Don Berwick, kind of way before ACA kind of time, and, and thinking about where this is going, and always wanted to work together. And uh, I, you know, I was a Navy doctor and, and um, you know, I was more of an opera, kind of an operations guy. And Cy uh, was, was just very gifted in strategy. And, and, uh, and yeah, I was in an early call and he called me and said, hey, I think I got this next thing. I want you to join the team. I think you'd be great to run operations. And, um, you know, he just, all he had to do was tell me the mission, you know, yeah. the mission was, that was it. You know, I'm a very mission driven guy. And um, so I was in, and I was obviously sold from both a professional level because that you know, I I believe in all those things, and I left clinical medicine. You know, I left being a surgeon day to day, even though I was in the Navy, where all the incentives are kind of aligned. It's kind of socialized medicine is pretty darn good. Yeah. Even there, it just wasn't enough of that true alignment of physicians partnering with their patients and families to just, to just always do the right thing, always do what's in their best interest. So it hit me on a, on a professional level, and then it hit me deeply on a personal level, growing up with a mom, you know, I have a dual eligible frail senior mom, you know, who struggles with chronic mental illness. Like I, I've lived it on a personal level. So it hit me it hit quite deep on a personal level. And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I said, I'm in, and you know, my one condition is we're gonna we're gonna spend equal amount of our time and our and our focus defining how we're gonna behave as an organization and defining how we're gonna behave as individuals within that organization and the way this is gonna work and the way this is gonna be successful is we're just gonna build a, a once in a lifetime culture and that's gonna be around trusting people and caring for them and connecting with each other and our authentic selves and love and that's where our uh, our core values you know courage to love pioneering spirit and shared intention that all came out of those early conversations and so we existed in that we you know we had this mission we knew what we wanted to do we knew the culture that we wanted by that time elizabeth cardia joined us who was really an expert in case operations and then this amazing culmination of events happened where cms kind of got wind of, of pace and and we knew about pace we loved it we, we were just really uh, huge fans and then it kind of just landed in our lap and so there we were the right mission the right culture this is what we wanted to do pace is the gold standard model to do it and so we all just looked at each other and said my gosh this is just like divine we, like, let's just go let's go let's go raise funds and let's go launch pace programs in as many underserved communities as we possibly can around the country 
And yes, I could list all kinds of barriers along the way of how complex of a model this is and how difficult it is to get started, uh, but it's worth it. Because once you get it going, I mean, you just the, the, the way that we're able to, um, to change people's lives is, is uh, extraordinary. So it's been, it's been wonderful. Awesome. And who, um, who is your patient? Um, oh, great question. Yeah. So, uh, so strictest definition for PACE to be eligible uh, 55 years of age or older, uh, eligible for nursing home level of care, live in our zip codes or, you know, for the program, and they're, you know, safe to live in the community with pay services. Yeah. Right? So they're, they're stable enough situation in their home uh, that, they're, that they, they can uh, live uh, in the community with pay services. Now, what does PACE end up looking like nationally? Like, what's the typical, uh, you know, participant that we have at Wellbe Health across the board is average age, late 70s, early 80s, um, five to six chronic uh, conditions, two to three challenges with activities of daily living, maybe half with some kind of cognitive impairment, yeah. um, 80% plus dual eligible, uh, very limited social capital, um, so these are truly the individuals who are most at risk, uh, most at risk of kind of institutional care, and um, and PACE is just this amazing alternative to that uh, to provide you know this wraparound insurance and uh, comprehensive interdisciplinary medical and social care team, and most of our participants pay nothing to participate, yeah. right? and that's like the most incredible thing. The, the vast majority of individuals in our program have no copay whatsoever, no, no, no cost share, I should say. There's no copays with anything, uh, but the vast majority have no cost share whatsoever. It's all funded uh, Medicare and Medicaid. Awesome. That's great. So WellBe Health is a company that runs PACE programs uh, here in California. Can you share with us uh, where you guys are located today? Yeah, sure. So, uh, Gosh, we, we've really been off and running and growing. Uh, it's, it's, it's been amazing. So our first PACE program, we launched up in Stockton, California. That serves uh, Stockton, Modesto, uh, Tracy, Lodi, uh, and that opened at the beginning of last year, uh, Stockton PACE. Our second program we launched in Pasadena called Pacific PACE, and then we launched that mid middle of last year, and that currently serves uh, communities in Pasadena, Burbank, and Glendale. And then our third program we just launched actually in the in the pandemic, which was which was wild and, and inspiring, and that was uh, in Long Beach. That's LA Coast Pace, uh, and uh, serves uh, all you know all the way over uh, you know in, in up to the up to the coast as well, uh, you know Redondo Beach and, and upwards. Um, so quite a large catchment there. And then uh, our fourth program, uh, where which we have a. Uh, approval to open uh, and, and serve participants and should be serving participants soon is in Fresno, California, and that is uh, Sequoia Pace. So those are the those are the four programs. So within two years, uh, we were able to get uh, four programs uh, serving kind of. And we picked the places where there was the biggest unmet need. Yeah. Uh, um, and unlike some 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 uh, you know entrants, we we chose to build new programs. So our our entry was not to go out and try to capture existing page programs. Our, our whole mission is where are the communities where this program is not available? Where do they need it? Let's go bring it there. That, that's been the, the recipe. Yeah, question about that. Um, if I live in certain zip codes that have PACE, I know a lot of zip codes don't have PACE available. Yeah. Um, could someone like 
else come into Pasadena as well? Or do you guys have that, like you are the pace provider for that area? Yeah, that's a great question. And historically, that's probably one of the reasons why uh, there wasn't a huge amount of growth within pace. Uh, was because historically, uh, most states will grant zip codes to a single pace program. And up until recently, it would be rare for there ever to be uh, any overlap whatsoever. California is unique to that. California is one of the earliest states that recognized that there's such a high population and such an unmet need uh, that uh, they allow for overlapping zip codes. So okay. there's, a, you know, there's a special application process by which a new entrant would have to come in um, and the state would have to you know, deem that, yes, that's a community where you know, there's more than, you know, more than one PACE program should be supporting. Okay, interesting. And so one of the boundaries, at least that I understood before, um, was in the past with PACE programs, it had to be like a not-for-profit organization um, running it. And I know a lot of people in the healthcare community might have certain views on, you know, for-profit versus not-for-profit. And so um, WellBe Health is a for-profit organization. And so was there a, was there a boundary previously that, am I getting this correct or? Yeah, I think, I think that that probably was. So historically, PACE was limited to not-for-profit organizations. Uh, and that changed recently. That was one of the that was one of the elements that kind of uh, helped in the expansion of pace. Uh, and so the the kind of analogy that I, I have is around hospice and what happened with hospice. You know, you know, forty fifty years ago uh, is you know, hospice was kind of a this s small you know bit mom and pop, a little bit scary actually, right? When people would think about it, like kind of a, it was kind of a scary thing. What is this? This is a place where people go to die, and and you know it um, it really just wasn't getting huge amount of traction, even though the service itself was desperately needed, right? Uh, and then over time, it expanded. It's very similar to the kind of expansion that's going on in pace, and now you know hospice is like everywhere and and, and incredibly available, uh, and um, you know there are there are. You know, there's been good players and bad players in hospice along the way and, uh, you know, independent of their economic model or their financial model, I should say. Um, but I think everybody would agree that hospice is in a way better place today than, you know, it's ever been uh, from an accessibility and a quality standpoint. Um, I see a similar kind of thing happening in case. And uh, for us, it is funny because when we, when we talk about ourselves and we talk about our culture, our values and kind of how we run the company uh, and the decisions that we've made, especially recently um, through the pandemic, you know, people will sometimes ask me like, you sound like a not-for-profit, you know, why didn't you do that? Um, and you know, it's interesting. I think, I think uh, Cy and I and, and others on the leadership team, I mean, we are, we've kind of, we've done, we've done venture-backed growth companies and startups before we kind of know how to do that. So, and to scale pace, the access to funds, it's a high startup cost. Yeah. It's very high cost of entry. It's very difficult to do unless it's an outshoot of like a large billion dollar P&L not-for-profit healthcare drug. And that's kind of what it's been to date. And when you do that, it gets a bit lost in the shuffle, especially if it's part of a otherwise fee-for-service entity where it's like this thing, this is weird and it doesn't make sense. And it's so hyper value-based care. I mean, it's so aligned 
with all that is right and good in healthcare. And like the only way to succeed is by doing good and like doing good by your participants. Uh, it just doesn't quite fit in. And so I think for us, uh, it made sense to us because we know how to access capital. You know, we're, we know how to raise money. Uh, and then the other thing that we discovered uh, was that we could attract really amazing talent you know, really talent who, who might otherwise not have thought about this world as being exciting and yeah. dynamic and tech enabled and all the things that we're kind of passionate about trying to uh, gradually, uh, you know, incorporate into Pace. Um, and then we provide equity uh, sharing uh, for every single employee in our company. And that's like unheard of. Like, I yeah. don't know any other healthcare services company, especially not startups. Um, yeah, everybody, everybody in our company. Uh, gets to participate, uh, and you can't do that in a not-for-profit structure. And like that because that's in the spirit of aligning incentives. So that was a fun, not kind of a fun thing for us to be able to do. Yeah, definitely. I remember looking at your website, um, and I think I noticed that on uh, a part of your website, which is pretty cool. So you mentioned technology enablement, and uh, my day job is in senior care, and getting seniors to engage with technology um, has been a challenge for me, and. A, I wanted to see, so we're in the pandemic, right? Oh. So at the pace, for the audience that, that's out there, you know, a lot of the PACE programs like MAPS in uh, Long Beach, Pasadena, Stockton, and upcoming Fresno, the members, the participants gather and receive a lot of their services and their socialization in one location. It's great. And then in the evenings, they go home and might have some home care and they get that all-inclusive care. Now they can't congregate. So what in the world, what have you guys done? I mean, this is got to have really just changed dramatically what you guys do and how has the engagement been with the seniors as they're at home with what I'm guessing are tablets based on what I've read talk talk about that yeah and I really actually I do appreciate you kind of adding some color into kind of what pace is and it's always important for me to remember that some folks may just not not really be that familiar with it you know so at, at, a, at a well-be health program you know, we do have a physical building and and you're right uh, we're build, we're bringing, we're driving our participants in two to three days a week, uh, uh, giving them a meal, doing personal care. They have their doctor there, their social worker, their nutritionists, nurses, MAs, uh, personal care aides, physical therapy, occupational therapy. It's like this amazing one-stop shop of interdisciplinary care in a cool environment where it's social and they can spend time with their friends. That is what the magic of PACE is. That's why everybody wants to come and, and kind of be a part of it both from a team and a participant standpoint. Yeah. So uh, in, when the pandemic was really heating up, I mean, this was the former you know, military medicine leader in me. I mean, it, it, it did, I didn't have to pause long to kind of see where this thing was going. And um, you know, with infectious disease, it's, it's bold, decisive action is the name of the game. And so early March, before any of the stay-at-home orders, we just, we sent everybody home. You know, we sent all the participants home. We sent all of the uh, team members home. And my background is actually in digital health and, and remote care and monitoring. So my last company that I led was, a, you know, uh, was a real pioneering uh, digital health company. And um, so I, that world is super familiar with me. Uh, and so all of the infrastructure that we had built at, at uh, Wellbe uh, to date set us up beautifully, not sexily, not sexy in the beginning, right? Totally vanilla. And that's what I learned. I used to sell the health systems. And believe me, I know sexy and I know vanilla. And, and <laughs> I know how painful it is. And this will be good for any of your healthcare operators listening. 
listen, there's nothing worse than implementing a technology before you actually understand your own requirements. If you do not know what you're trying to do with something, this is not going to work. And so I was very, very deliberate about being slow with technology. Pace is a very human, high-touch thing. We do not want to change that. No desire. That said, all of our team members have a laptop, a mobile device. Everything's cloud-based. We have no server rooms. Everything is remote. It is like on a drop of a hat. Anybody can work from anywhere. All of our stuff is virtual. That's just how we built the company. That was just the infrastructure. So when COVID hit, everybody kind of scattered. Everybody go yeah. home, get isolated. We didn't miss a beat. Everybody, like, we were still working. Everybody was connected. There was no like downtime. And then we engaged a firm that made senior-friendly tablet devices that were very easy to use. You literally pick the thing up, um, you know, and, and it works. 4G LTE enabled, so we didn't have to worry about any Wi-Fi infrastructure. Uh, and these we call our Welby links. And, uh, and uh, you know, this again, the military logistics, right? In 48 hours, we, we had, you know, we did a contract, got them delivered, stood it up, enterprise across two geographies in the hands of every single one of our participants up and running doing telehealth. And that to me was like, that had nothing to do with me. That had everything to do with our team. And just like, I like, I get emotional uh, uh, thinking about it. Those days were, that was, it was like scary days. And so yeah, we, no doubt. Uh, we had people coming out of the woodwork who this was not their day job. And we just set up this, this entire room of getting all these devices provisioned ready on vans out into our participants. And just that first call that came through was just one of the most joyous things to just see that beaming face of one of our participants who's so grateful, um, you know, that we were on the other end and just caring yeah. for them. Uh, and so that's been our biggest technology success for sure uh, and to date. And um, they have helped us in what we now call our home pace model, which we've been doing kind of ever since. Um, we are basically providing the full spectrum of pace care, uh, you know, through a combination of the, the virtual encounters, as well as very selective, very controlled home-based care and bringing participants in uh, for individual encounters as needed. Um, and so we're, we're just, we're following the science. Uh, we've stockpiled more, you know, point of care testing than, you know, anybody I know. We stockpiled more PPE than anybody I know. And, um, you know, we're just practicing very, very good infection control practices and a lot of testing and uh, caring for people the best we can. And so far it's, it's gone very well. Awesome. Uh, do you mind me asking, you mentioned you partnered with a company that was like se was senior focused. Do you mind me asking uh, who the provider or who the partner was? Oh, of course. Yeah. GrandPad is the name of the firm that we're working with. Yep. And they've been, they've yeah. been fantastic. That's exactly who I thought you would have uh, gone with. Um, but uh, I wanted to make sure we had permission out there. So a little shout out, uh, free plug yeah. for GrandPad. Um, I remember uh, meeting Scott in the early days, uh, one of their, I don't know, leaders, invest entrepreneurs, president, I don't know his yep. exact title um and yeah it was the first company that i knew was uh, senior focused and they've stuck with it with it for years and been successful so it's pretty cool and glad it worked out for you uh do you know if solitaire is still like the biggest uh 
the biggest uh, time they spend. <laughs> it's true. You know, it's wonderful. Scott, Scott and the team has been fantastic. And, I, you know, I, it's funny because I grew up probably first generation, you know, Atari 2600, you know, video games. Uh, you know, it's, I, it's, it's uh, to me, it's like a very natural thing. And um, I wanted to make sure our team didn't underestimate that aspect of it. Uh, um, you know, just the, the entertainment and the engagement, just the ability to, you know, to play every now and again. And so our fun has been actually connecting participants together to play together, right? And so there's a social element to it. And um, that's, been, that's been a blast, yeah. So the game part of it is, is not to be underestimated. Uh, as important as the telehealth is, obviously, uh, there's just the social element, which is so critical to, um, to seniors. I mean, isolation is, you know, has you know, demonstrated to be just as much of a comorbid risk for death as, you know, dementia or diabetes. I mean, it is really, really important. So that's been a huge focus for us uh, during the pandemic, especially. Awesome. Awesome, Matt. Well, hey, um, we've covered a lot in a pretty short time. Great stories. Cool thing about Grandpad there as well. So before we uh, wrap up, um, when we talk about the engagement of the seniors. And I mentioned it's been a challenge. I know Grandpad knows it's been a challenge, right? Do you feel this pandemic has kind of, obviously it's for seniors. Uh, do you still have some of those folks out there who just refuse or is that rare? It's rare in our experience. There's definitely the patients being tested just like it is with all of us. And so that's, that's where, you know, we, we just have to be at our best and, uh, you know, uh, in touch with why we do this and um, the patience that's required to listen. And uh, I think that that's, that's usually the thing that's, that's happening most at those times. So, so far, um, so far our, our participants are, are very grateful, uh, you know, for, the, for what we're providing and, and yeah, patience gets tested um, and just like for all of us. Um, but we're there for them no matter what. We're there always, so no matter what they need. Awesome. So to recap, uh, for those of you out there that are listening or watching on our YouTube channel, PACE program, all-inclusive care for the elderly, um, WellBe Health. Now, in the current locations that you're in, you're, are you exclusive in your current zip codes, like the Long Beach up to like Culver City? Are you the sole provider? So we are currently uh, in our current locations. Uh, we are there uh, in, in uh, Long Beach, Pasadena. Yes, those two programs in LA, currently the only PACE program. Awesome. So folks, um, if you're listening and you want to learn more about WellBe Health and their PACE programs, uh, Matt, how can folks learn more? What's your website? How do they get in touch? Yeah, easiest way is just go right to wellbehealth.com and you'll be able to um, see all the places where we operate uh, and it'll link you to all of our individual programs across the state of California. Awesome. And can anybody who's over 55 and, and meets the nursing home criteria uh, does it matter, do they have to be dual eligible or be like insured by certain groups or can anybody who meets that qualification apply? It's a great question. The vast majority of individuals who, are, who end up in PACE, they tend to be dual eligible, but eligibility is actually not a requirement to apply or be in PACE. Oh, okay. So, um, so people who are Medicare only and Medicaid only or neither uh, can actually apply. There are requirements of what uh, PACE programs must charge if that happens. And so, okay. for example, if somebody's Medicare only, uh, PACE programs are required to charge for the Medicaid cost share. Uh, yeah. If individuals are Medicaid only, 
uh, they are not required to uh, be charged for the Medicare cost share. So, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So again, uh, Long Beach up the coast to the Culver City area. We have Pasadena, Burbank, Glendale area. We have Northern California and the Stockton, Modesto area. You're going to be opening up in Fresno here in, what, 2021? We're hoping this year. Yeah, okay. we're, we're, we're putting everything together for this year. Got it. And is that for now kind of your vision or are you able to share about anything beyond at this point? Uh, so Wellby Health, uh, we do have approvals across the country uh, at this point. Our, our primary focus uh, is you know, delivering excellent pace care in the state of California, uh, but we do, have, uh, we do have approvals across the country stretching out all the way to the East Coast. And so we are, um, you know, our, mi our mission will go where the need is. And so we are, we are active looking at the communities that have the most underserved seniors and, and really do not have enough um, care programs available to them. And, and those are the places where, where we want to go. Awesome. Well, folks, Matt Patterson has been our guest. He's the president of Wellbe Health, which is a up and coming and existing pace provider here in California. It sounds like potentially beyond. Matt, really appreciate you joining the show today. Thank you so much, Gavin. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.